What is happening? Check one, two. Check one, two. It does feel weird to get to kind of come on your PJs and all you're doing is talking into this really cool mic. I won't ever do that. I a remember saying I would never write anything that smelled you like a pay memoir. Me enough money to do a podcast. That's for, for real. Right. And you actually aren't getting paid for this, sir, but you do have coffee and donuts that we have supplied for you. Babe, we're going to be terrible at this. And how funny will that be for us to listen to this back and be like, well, no wonder we've never done one of these. Right. <clears throat> uh, Joanna S. Gaines, I've invited you here today to formally. Oh, stop! Ask Chip, you I will to say, do a podcast with me. That is not how this goes. No, I have asked you for three years to do a podcast. It seems like a trendy thing that it's, I'm not interested in, you know. But here I am, and that's kind of how we are. It's like we get into it when everyone's getting out. Wait, this is a podcast. Well, are you serious? Sorry. I'm Joanna Gaines. I'm a wife, a mother, a sister, and daughter. But really, more than anything, I'm a person who carries a story. So earlier this year, I wrote down my story, my whole story. I called it The Stories We Tell. And that's what led me to this podcast, to a place where we can share our stories together. Imagine if the stories we tell brought us back to our truest selves, back to one another because we all have a story to tell, and I can't wait to hear yours. Well, Joe, you look great. I mean it, you look like a million bucks, and I know that you're all like, oh, I don't, and all these things, but you look fabulous. Last night, the funniest thing happened to me, 3.30 in the morning, I am out cold, having a dream about God knows what, but I was enjoying my rest and I just feel this like really hard tap on my forehead. Okay. And I thought it was you. <laughs> okay. But a tap on the forehead. Because it was such a hard, like, yeah. so don't off, wake up, wake up, get out of that. So dream. often I tap you on the head with my finger in okay, the middle of anyways, the night. So I had felt this little tap on my forehead and okay. I was like, I couldn't get out of my dream, but the tap kept tapping. And I finally wake up and it's crew and it's like, mom, I want to hang out with you oh, at three thirty in the morning. What and, did you two do? And I was like, and I and it, I was like, what's actually happening? And it took me a second, but I looked over there and he had two dinosaurs. Oh my gosh! I mean, he <laughs> was ready to play. He was ready to play. Oh my. And thankfully, I just like whisked him up, put him in the middle, and he was asleep in eight seconds. Sure. But I just think you know. All I'm saying is crew is right now in the other room because I think he's, you know, how crew goes through these seasons where it's like all you or all me. And I'm really relishing in the all me because this morning as I was leaving, he was like, mom, I'm going to work with you. So he's got those two dinosaurs in there. He may come in. I'm just saying I'm, I'm warning everybody. Crew I'm may such... walk in. Okay. Okay. Do I look rested? You look rested. I did sleep in this morning. And I don't see how that's even possible. You have five children. You've got an incredible business, and yet here we are today talking about the fact that you wrote a book. I wrote a book. You know, what's so weird about seeing the book and even holding it now that, you know, we finally got to get our first copy, you know, I'm nervous because I feel like, what, for a year, this process of writing down the story, getting it all to where I feel like, okay, it's ready. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh, I just want to keep it right here in my little arms. <laughs> it's not like it's a tell-all. There's but nothing it's definitely you're vulnerable. But it, it feels like I'm opening my journal yeah, to the world sure. in one way. And it feels a little bit like- And see, I like the idea of that. Like when I write and when I do things yeah. like this, I can't wait to see kind of how it all shakes out. Yeah. Where you, I can imagine, you know, because you're built completely different well, than I am. I'm built to protect all my life. I've, I've kind of thought through yeah. how do I 
self-protect, like protect at all measure. Don't let the world see anything unless you know it's whatever. So for me, it does feel quite vulnerable to put it out there. And I thought I would never want to share these thoughts with anybody. Well, at the end, I think I had that realization that vulnerability begets vulnerability. So when Mm. I'm vulnerable, it then hopefully will inspire someone else to be vulnerable. And that, that trickle effect I think has power. And in that vulnerability is, I think that connective thing for all of us. So now I'm like, Hey, I love it. I'm excited about, yeah, I'm a little nervous, but I'm also like, that's, it's my story. And I feel like where I've landed in the, I am enough and my story is beautiful. And instead of like, why would anyone want to read it? It's like, I hope people enjoy it. Where in the beginning I was like, no one, I would never write this because no one wants to hear this. Where now I'm like, I, I love my story. So I feel like I've landed in a more healthy place than what I started with. This a year ago, you kind of came to me with this idea, like, I'm going to work this out. I'm going to write these things out and we'll see how it shakes out. It felt like it was more like therapeutic and and something that you needed to do more than it was something like you wanted to release out into the world. So think about how many times we've been together over coffee working this thing out. Like, tell me about the process of all this. Yeah, I, I remember around December... And you knew this. I was just like- December of last year? Yes. Okay. And you're thinking to yourself, what? I am just thinking to myself, as the new year's coming, what's my word for the year? What is is my outlook? What do I want to really challenge myself with? And I just remember, anytime I ask that question, I can look back and go, okay, I was challenged in this way. And, And as I started really thinking back, I was like, why am I not remembering stuff? I think in that- season of my life, Chip, I don't know what it was. I just felt like, what's my purpose here? What am I doing all of this for? Everything just felt blurry. Not in a, I don't remember. And I'm like, what? it's just more like, what's the point of all of this? For sure. And Well, think about it. When you think about our parents in their 40s and 50s, these things called midlife crises are this isn't a new yeah. thought. You know, our whole universe is now being turned upside down because we're like, our kids are getting older. Why, you know, if you've got money, you're not sure what the purpose of the money is. If you don't have money, you think at this age, at this stage yeah. of our career, why don't we have money yet? You know, there's all yeah. these like controversial, complicated things that are happening here in our late 40s, you know, you know, right. obviously mid 40s, case, mid I think. 40s, yes, and sorry. that's where I'm like, you know, was this a midlife crisis? And if so, then I'm think- thankful for that midlife crisis. Well, I'm not saying it was a midlife no, I crisis. I just mean that, you're like, talking about these reflection. ideas, like what is the purpose yeah. behind all yeah. of this? So you're doing all of these I'm things December of, of last year. I'm yeah. journaling this. Like what, why am I doing what I'm doing? What is, and for me with all the work we do even here at Magnolia, you know the the root of that is always intention. What's the intention? And then once we get the intention and the why, that's what we can build on. Sure. But if it's just for nothing or if it's just to sell a candle, I'm not interested. Forget it. Yeah. And so I just had this really beautiful moment, I think, in in that it was just like start writing this down. But in order to know what I want to carry with me in this next leg of this race, I have to be able to look backwards and really hold that well and evaluate all that's already happened. Mm -hmm. Because I would say, Chip, the last 10 years of our life, we haven't really- Been pretty blurry, been pretty And we haven't really processed it. We haven't processed going from, you know, these two that were going every Friday to make payroll to then, hey, do you want to do a show called Fixer Upper? And then all the maybe the weight that was put on our construction company, you know, of get it done. You got three months to get it done. All of that. Then going from no one knew us to now people are recognizing us. A lot of things. I like that part. Yeah. 
a lot of things got turned upside down and not in a bad way. It's just our lives got turned upside down and me and you never stopped to process it. And I think for me, it was, let's stop and feel it all. Let's remember those once in a lifetime moments. And the way you feel it all, the way I feel about it is that I go talk to people about it. Right. You feel about it by sitting down and writing it down. Because I am such an internal processor that honestly, you being my best friend, me and you can, can process this together. But I think some of the loneliness that maybe you feel when you're in this spot, maybe some of the fear you feel when you're doing something that when we look around, I can't, I can't say so-and-so did it. Let's do it like that. I really feel like what we're doing is, is unique for us. But in that place, it's sometimes, lonely. You don't know who to process this stuff with. Like who's really going to understand and grasp what we're feeling. Um, sometimes it feels isolating. Sometimes it feels lonely. And I think in that I was feeling like I got to get this out so I can process this with my friends. I can process this with mentors, but I, I I wanted to first kind of process it with myself. And that's the journey of how this all started. Wow. And then I think about like months and months ago, I feel like we kind of felt like we were at third base, but yet we felt like we had a million miles to go, you know, we have to go away to, to, for a minute to really give you the ability Mm -hmm. to focus with a small group of of basically putting the finishing touches on all this. And even that it's like, it feels like, a lifetime ago, I know. you know, sincerely, but it was really only was a few months back. Yeah. yeah. And so when you, you know, all of that, like walk me through it. So you at the very beginning said, I wanted to get this stuff out and it was a therapeutic experiment yeah. for your own self. Mm-hmm. Then at what point did it trigger from that thought to, you know what, I want to do this. And yeah. then at what point were we out of town with a small group of people going, this is real, this is a manuscript and then we can edit it and modify it and and put it into chapters and all the things that happened just, you know, obviously a few short months ago. Yeah, so I would say what I was writing towards what weren't like chapters. So I was writing and processing and I, I even in voice memoing a ton of things. And in the beginning, it's funny because the shift in the beginning with those voice memos and that journaling, about halfway through the tone changed. In the beginning, it was maybe a bit, what's the word? Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, just kind of me just like, what the heck is all this for? You know, just whatever. Such a baby. That's where all your stuff starts. (laughs) Oh, stop. Oh, but I would say in the beginning, the tone changed and I went from, I'm not joking. And you know, this in the beginning, remember when I said, Chip, what if I just completely go away? Yeah. And not in a like dark way, but just like, for sure. I want to get off all platforms. I want to just hide. I want to, I want to go back to normal. I want to be at home, hide in the garden, and just like no one ever sees me again. Really quick though, I realized, oh, your body and your mind is telling you something, that you are out of gas and Uh, that you no longer understand the why and the intention of what you're doing. I see. And so in that shift, once it turned healthy and I was like, Oh, I get it. I was just in a slump. I was in a in a fog. Yeah. And now that I could see out of the fog and it was clear, that's when I was like, I've got to share this. I mm. want to share this with others, whether that just be my two daughters sure. and or and my sisters and you and our team. Or it could be I can share it with others who could potentially also be in the season of life and it could help them walk through that as well. For sure. Okay, I want to take a second and pivot away from like these specific life thoughts that we've kind of been wrestling through. And just like the idea of the book, you were just going to write this down like as a journal to really work through some things that you were working through personally as a 
you know, mid forties woman, but now fast forward, now you've got a book. How did, how in the world did that come about? When I think about the stories we tell in different seasons or phases of our lives, like I remember the stories I told myself as a little girl, then what I told myself as a teenager and in my twenties, you know, and how those stories evolve and change. I mean, right off the bat, you know, you go to school, you're different. You're the only Asian in the entire Mm. K through 12 environment, by default, you're different. Ha ha, she's eating rice for lunch, not fries. Okay, but hold on. I'm going to do this kind of piece by piece so we can get to a real place. So in that, I would say being different is an advantage to you. I understand that 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 can be looked at on the opposite end of that spectrum. But I am curious how, when you realized you were quote unquote different, why was it so easily graspable for you? Is that a word? It's a word for you. Ah, Stop. Okay. So my question is, when when you realized that you were quote unquote different, why was it so easily acceptable to you that that meant by default that was a bad thing? I think for me, you're talking about a six-year-old little girl who right off the bat, I see my father who looks very Caucasian, my mother who is full Korean. Uh-huh. I don't know when you step into the into the world, am I am I am I going after this side? I, I just I was it was kind of a split universe. And I, I think a that. lot of children that are born into these mixed race families, they struggle with that. Like what is their full identity? Because you're clearly half of one thing and half of another. I get that when I don't process my insecurities, when I don't go home and say, hey, mom and dad, these kids said this to me. What I didn't want anybody to know, I am even now, you know this, when you look at me and my face is like stoic, you're like, what are you thinking? What's in your head? Because I'm not going to right off the bat say, Chip, walk me through this. Like that. I've always, I'm in my head. Yeah. There are people that are just, I think a lot of people will be able to relate. You're in your head, you're processing and you're having this dialogue with yourself. Sure. The dialogue with myself as a six-year-old is don't tell anybody this because this stings. Mm. This is feels embarrassing. This Mm. feels hard. Leave it all here because God forbid you let other people feel that. Or my mom, who I could tell was the fullness of what those kids were kind of throwing rocks at. I didn't want to go to her and say, mom, why did you make me like this? So for me, I learned really quick, hide that stuff and move on. And so all I'm saying is in that internal dialogue, which a lot of times is dangerous. This is why it's so good to process with people, process with your parents, your friends. A professional. Professional is because you want to get it out so that it can land in a safe place. It did not land in a safe place in my heart. So okay, that's so part in of the your story own I would heart, tell myself. It didn't land in a safe place. It was place. not safe. I it see. was, okay, this part of you that is clearly different is not accepted is here. Not normal, is, is not, not um, yeah, yeah, all of that. I even talk about this in the book as a sophomore in high school. The, the the teasing had stopped by then, but the the reality yeah because look at you, you know, the reality though that from kindergarten to tenth grade I never really processed or dealt with it when I stepped into that new environment in a five A which is a you know five big, big time high school in Texas kids in yeah. our high school first no, day in your high school graduating class in my, sorry in my graduating class five hundred fifty yeah. I. I step in as a sophomore in high school. It was like mid-school year. Okay. I had gone to five other schools in between that and never had a problem. I jumped in, found friends. It was fine. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, I'm good. Like, I, I'm great, right? Uh-huh. I step into this 10th 
sophomore year of high school. It was February like 5th. And I remember thinking, oh, I got to go to lunch. Like, what do you do? There was three different lunch breaks. That's how big my class was. Oh, yeah. I'm in that third lunch break and I'm fine, fine, fine. I get to those doors. I grab that metal handlebar on that door, open it. And I just see a sea of people. Of course. And I'm like, well, what do I do now? And what did you do today? I couldn't find one person that A, even noticed me because they didn't know I was new. It's 550 kids. Right. And then I was like, I I don't feel brave enough at this moment to say, can I sit with you? I would have gone right up to the coolest table and I would either punch the Which is why you did guy. not write a book. Oh. And- Do you though? If you could go back, you would walk into one of those tables and say, hi, I'm Joanna Stevens. I'm new. I'm from this place. Do you mind if I sit down? You would do that now, right? I would do that now. But isn't that sad when you think about that whole process? And if you could argue a opportunity wasted, it's it's a sad thought to to think that your insecurity and your fear of that monster that was in the closet that may have been there. Maybe you asked the he person was just, he had to sit for down, like eight years. and he says yeah. you're an idiot, or the girl makes fun of you, and you feel like a clown, or throws mashed potatoes in your face. Those things could have happened, and then and then if that's true, then you were smarter to have not done it. You made the right choice, right? And none of that would have happened. My point is what I really realized in that moment was all those feelings I felt when I was seven years old, why are they back? Yeah. Why are they? Why I haven't, were they? Why were they dormant for that I whole didn't season? Because I didn't get it out. I didn't process it. I never re-identified with, that was a lie. That Those those things those boys called me when I, I was see. little and the, the, what they were speaking into who I am and the value of who I am, sure. those weren't true. Hmm. I tucked those away and kind of a little bit believed them. Well, tell me about that. When you step back into that moment and something like that happens, or maybe if you even want to start with the school house doors swinging open and you realizing there's just a thousand people. Physical feeling. I can almost make myself feel now where it's like your face gets flushed and everything around. And no part of you wants to dig into it. Now it does. Then you, because you believe that I'm not enough. There's not a chip gains as my friend going, Joe, that's not true. What that kid just said that don't let that kid talk talk to you like that. No sure. one, when they don't stick up for you and you see your friends just kind of sitting there in the corner, like you, no one's saying, no one's balancing that lie with truth. Sure. So it's up to me as a six-year-old to do Dang. that. Good luck. Like yeah. I, I didn't have the, I didn't have that in me to, to do that. Even, you know, what I love about when we met and what I'm so thankful about when we met is that I didn't meet you and say, Prince Charming, fix me. I remember the week before I met you, I went through this process of sure. writing down every name. I remember that, yeah. Of the kids that I remember. I remember their names. I sure. remember what they said. And I wrote it all out. And then I crossed it out. And A, I said, I forgive that kid. And mm. I forgive myself for even believing it. Sure. But let me rewrite this. When they said, you're different, you're weird, you're whatever, I rewrote, physically rewrote. Wow. Your difference is the best thing about you, oh. Joanna. Let's go. I came okay, fine. To- I'll do a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> But I'm glad I did that exercise before I met you because then you would have you would have been on the hook to try to make me feel oh, whole and that gross. never works. Gross. So all I'm saying is I'm glad I had that personal journey with myself to wholeness. And to me, that's why this has worked because even when you talk about the fixer stuff, if that would have landed in our lap 20 years earlier, Chip, it would have crushed us. Mm. But the fact that it landed in oh, our God. lap 
in the time it did Late after 30s, all the money 40s. crap and yeah. after all of that, sure. we were ready to handle it. And so mm. to me, it's like even when we met, we were both ready for what was ahead rather than this like, you're going to be my hero. You need to fix me. And if you don't make me whole, then this is broke. But I remember so clearly on the flip side of this argument that there were so many things about who you were as this pillar, as this wise. You've always been like wise beyond your years. And now we're becoming old people. I mean, just sadly, this is true. I'm nearly 50. You're in your mid 40s going into your late 40s right behind me. And it's just like, you know, we're old. You know, we're old people. And that's true. And who cares? And there's nothing we can do about it. But when you were in your 20s, you had wisdom like a person in their 30s. You had wisdom like people in their 40s. And I just remember I was so drawn to that because that's not true about me. What's true about me is I've like got a Peter Pan syndrome and I'm a lot of fun to be around. But you know, I mean, I've obviously been around the block a few times. So I've got wisdom in the sense that I've tried and failed like an enormous amount of things. So I've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of different topics because it's like, that's funny. I did that already, you know, and here's why you shouldn't do it or or why you should do it this different way. But when I think about you just as this person of wisdom, I went I wonder where that came from. I wonder where in your whole life did that really fall on you in a, in a way that you realized was different and unique? Or is it well, clear? No, I, I, I think for me as a processor, um, initially always out the gate, maybe sometimes I've, I've, I've let fear lead. I've let insecurity lead. And then I'll always land in a healthier place later. I see. So maybe wisdom is just the result of all those hard-fought battles. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have made that decision based off of that insecurity or I shouldn't see. have made that decision or even that intention based off of this. So I think where now I've solidly landed is I actually know what fear looks like now. And I know what insecurity looks like. And I know what, when I'm driven to perfectionism, like I now know, and I'm aware of it. So I can let that lead my why, and I can let that lead, you know, why I'm driven to do stuff. Or I can say, Hey, I see you. And I, maybe there's some stuff in there that's nice and valuable, but for the most part, I'm pushing you back. And I think because I I am a processor, and you've known this since we've been married, I have to journal. I have to write it out. And typically, just like with this book, in the beginning, it starts in an unhealthy place, which is why I'm writing to begin with. I got to get all this out. And I'm la, la, la. But in the end, I really feel like that's where God meets me. And he tells me the truth. And I can choose in that moment. Do I believe what he's telling me? Or do I believe what my mind who for however many years tells me this, like, it's kind of like that, which one do you want to go with? And so, you know, I I don't know all the time, like this self-talk, it's literally a silent voice or at least an unaudible voice that's constantly whispering in all of our ears. We have a self processor that communicates information to us incessantly and mine. And I'm not saying this again in this braggy way, but consistently communicates how handsome I am, all how the funny things. I am, all the positive yes. things. And you know, and even, even, even when I was broke, even when we oh, didn't oh, have any me, money, my, mon- were- my mind would tell me, you just wait. You're not going to believe mm-hmm. how this ends. It's like I could see the future for this hypothetical place that was not true. Right. It was really a lie. It was not sincere. It was not even accurate. But it was a reoccurring voice in my head that was telling me about these future places. And that voice kept telling me, you watch, these things are going to happen. But what I'm asking you is when that voice talks to you even now, 
as a 44 year old, you know, gorgeous woman with all this stuff, is it still negative? Is it still the little kid at the lunchroom saying that you didn't I think, I bring think, the right lunch? I think that's the thing that I, I feel like can feel hard in life is that sometimes when that's there, even when you dealt with it and you have confronted it, the residue sometimes still lingers on. And yeah. in that, I still maybe right off the bat will wake up and say, oh, whatever. And then I'll quickly pivot and say, but that's not truth. Okay. But it still exists. And Gosh. I think I'm okay with that now. Where before I would think in life, once you deal with it, it goes away. Right, for sure. Um, an exit stage left. And that's not life. Like we're humans. And so there's reoccurring things. Even as I think of your book, chapter one to chapter 11, it's like there's these reoccurring themes that kind of unfold through each chapter. You yeah. know, and to your point, in our teens, in our 20s, and yeah. our 30s, and our 40s, all the way until we die, and we're in our 80s yeah. or 90s on a on a right. front porch somewhere, we're going to have reoccurring insecurities and doubts yeah. and fears. And so and all I'm the things. not trying to push anything in this book as far as like, this is the voice you need to listen to. Because to me, I feel like everyone's life is um, uniquely theirs. Mm -hmm. What I do share in this book is basically there are three voices that every morning I wake up to and I, I can choose to what are, believe. What, who are these? Who are these people? Yeah. The first voice is my voice and that voice has been in my head my whole life and that's the voice I'm trying to retrain a lot of okay. like, don't say that to yourself. That's not kind wow. or that's not true. So the voice of you is yes. kind of a critical person. She's, she's, she's more of a critical realist, wow. right? Okay. And then the second voice is the world's voice. Uh -huh. You post something, you say something. Well, you but here, this is fascinating it. too and I want to dig into this because the truth of this is that when you post something, 80 or 90% percent of those those comments are positive but you only naturally navigate towards and choose to consider the negative ones. Well, and you know, I don't actually, I can't, I, because of that, my voice, I don't typically let other voices. I just assume that some of these instances in life, if someone, you know, it is, it's funny. It's kind of like if you're a fly trap and, and you're there to trap flies. Well, okay. you're going to trap flies when you're sometimes a little more negative towards yourself, even yeah. though there's a 95% positive thing, yeah, for some reason, the 5% is freaking six to you. Ones. And yeah. I don't, that's just so weird to no, me. I get it. What's but, the third one? Me? So it, no, because to me, me you're telling my, you all those are lies and you're a freaking moron. Yeah, and these I, just, are all, I never want to put that true? job on you. I'm kidding. Who's the third one? God? God. Okay. And I believe God created me yes. for this moment in time. Yeah. He created me for my five children. He created mm. me to be the mm. best partner for you. Yeah. And in that, then I have to believe. Can he we take like a moment of silence? Thank you, God, for Joanna <laughs> and her partnership with me in life and love oh and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. Okay, thanks. Wow. Um, good. But for think, think about that, like that God so loved the world that he gave Chip Joanna Gaines. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a scripture. Like, that's okay. a t-shirt. You, you are the kind of guy Chip that would write your own Bible. Chip 316, you know? Yeah. So all that to say is, like, if I truly believe that God knew, before I was even born, I'm going to bring this little girl in the world who's a half Korean. Yes. Quarter Lebanese. Come on. Quarter German. All sure. the things. And yeah. she's going to be a mix of all of these cultures. Yeah. And she is going to be 
extraordinary. Powerful. Yes. And I can choose to believe that. So So how long does it take you? Does ever, does God ever precede the other two and you get to kind of skip that step or it's always one, two, three. I think it's kind of three is finally that you get to this place of, of, of health and confidence and, and, and that truth, you know, I think it's just like anything. It's like exercise. Like some days you have the best workout. You're driven to go to the gym and you're like, yes, this is so good for me. Some days you're like, I don't want to go to the gym. Right. I just want to sit on the couch and eat Doritos yeah, and ramen and, and all, all the things the people with MSG. that hate me because of this post that I did or that my hair right. wasn't right. And whatever. so just depending on how you wake up, you know, oh. and that's the grace I feel now at 44 mm-hmm. is that I don't think I, I, I need to wake up always on the right side of the bed. But as long as I land at the end of my days in grace and say, Joe, you did all you could do. You did well. Yeah. That's where I feel like I need to hold myself accountable to that because I don't want to live in this like, I'm never enough. I don't want, that's, that's not the life that I feel like was meant for me. And so I have to continue to fight and exercise these muscles that aren't maybe my strongest muscles, but at some point I'm going to wake up and that's going to be my greatest strength. And I'm just on the journey towards that versus not knowing it's a weakness and just going through life saying, I've lost my confidence. I've lost my intention. I I don't want to do that. I want to know where I'm heading and I want to be intentional about it. And what I've learned is you have to fight for it. It doesn't just come because you hope for it. I just want you to know, babe, you are incredible. Because when I say you're incredible, do you think that's true? Um, I would say that is like what I have been retraining my mind and my heart to believe. I do believe I am incredible in the ways that I am um, built for what I do. Like I yes. can now say that I will say a year ago, but two why years you ago, even have to kind of sugarcoat because and I try bounce to around. balance that with not being a freaking bragger and well, like nobody, a, nobody, I understand. And nobody's asking you to be a bragger. Right. It's just in your heart. You sincerely it's giving believe myself permission, when you open the doors to that proverbial lunchroom yeah. with hundreds of kids that you're scared to death of, that you're welcome, that you're you're capable of stepping into that complicated yes. place and going and proving that Joanna Gaines has a place at one of those I tables. I feel that now. And I think that's the kind of the the part of writing all this down that I, I get a little sad about is that why did it take me till I was 44 years old yeah. to truly believe that? Oh, like, and I that's my that. point about my girls get there earlier because you can do a lot more when you truly believe when you step into that room, you matter, Mm -hmm. that you are just like amazing the way you are. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to perform. That's exhausting. And I'm telling you, when I hit that wall at 43, 44, I was exhausted because what I realized with these things that kept coming up in my life, perfectionism that I thought was a personality thing or approval, all that stuff, all that is, is me sitting there going, I have to still prove myself to everybody that I'm worth it. Mm. And I don't need to prove that anymore. I am worth it. I'm valuable, but I just took me till now to write this thing to go, yay, I'm enough. That's a lot easier to step into than all the other things. So that's my biggest hope is that I'm telling you, people are going to, my hope is that there's going to be people, people that read it that go, I don't even kind of like you, I don't relate to this because I've always thought I was enough. Like you've never, in my opinion, I was just going to say, I remember like it was yesterday, the day that I realized I was enough when I was about 18, 19 months old. (laughs) And I was just like, wait a freaking minute. You know, this is incredible. You were built with that. The fact that I wasted all 
all those 17, 18 months before that moment. I relate to that in the sense that that's a really sad. short book for you. This but, thing called life. I'm glad, you know, I'm a part of it. And we need people like you to always push on those who don't feel as incredible to say you are. And these are the things that are incredible about you. And you, you've always done that. You've pulled out the best in people. You really kind of hold them to the standard of why don't you? I mean, that's why I feel like being married to you I mean, if I weren't married to you, I'd, I don't know if I'd ever really experienced this in life, this kind of fullness of really valuing who I am. I also think it's a personal journey, though, too, because For you've sure. known where your words have fallen flat when you say things like, Joe, you're beautiful, you're incredible. If I can't it's believe that about myself, yeah. I feel like you're just sugarcoating it. Oh, and, for sure. Like just saying it to say it. That's so, what's so hard to believe because if you were terrible looking <laughs> and you were just a terrible person, I mean it. It would be hard because what am I going to say? You know, you couldn't say that. You know what I'm saying? And all I'm saying is it's just like in your defense, because you you filter things through such a unique lens that what's true is hard for you to believe. And I think a lot of people- And it's true that you're incredible that. to look at and forget the looks because that's just a piece of the puzzle. You're an incredible person. You're an incredible woman. You're an incredible partner to me and you're an incredible mom to our kids. And I mean this, but I mean, when I say that, you kind of almost gloss over like, like it's what I have to say. And it's just like, it's sad because when I think about myself as a good dad, I don't gloss over and right. be like, well, I mean, geez, you're just saying that. Right. No, I'm a great dad because I care because I pour in my heart and my energy and my soul and my effort and my time and my resources to guarantee that I'm a good dad. I won't. I, it won't work for me if I'm on the rocking chair of life when we're in our 80s and I look back and say I did everything right except I was a crappy dad. And it's just like I, I'm passionate. about. Like I get jazzed about that. It feels like a challenge, almost like the world's going to try to get me to fail at that. And I'm going to be damned if I fail at that. But for you, when I say all these incredible things about you, you really do well, maybe when have you a hard said, time. Because I don't think I have a hard time. I, I really believe that. And it's not like this is just like a this year thing. I, I truly believe I have gifts and talents. And yes, I love my babies. I hope I'm the best mom to them. I think I am. But I'm sure. not going to like shout that to the mountaintops. I think I'm a great partner to you. All the things. Okay. I think, though, when you have someone who let's just your life was pretty charmed you're totally this yeah. athletic guy who's gregarious and when i looked at your high school yearbook it's like all the i was a fox all the things to next president next this best dress best looking it was you and it's like yeah, oh it must a lot be of those. hard to be chip Gaines. Well, it was, I mean, a lot of people my name though was chip well, that was not the easiest you had a rough patch there the for gate. a second i i get that but hey chip you've got red hair and freckles you know you know hey throw a rock at it but i think for me where i feel like this book will hit is those who maybe came in a different way that had something that was unique or different about them and the gift that all of us carry when that happens is this gift of empathy. I know what that feels like, whether it's because your name is Chip and you had red hair sure. or because of this over here. I know the feeling of who you are. And I wonder why I, that's what's so odd about us is we come at empathy from completely different sides of the spectrum, but we both land for sure and sincerely and literally on empathy. And I think that's fascinating because as I think about myself and I think about driving past somebody on the highway, 
I think about that person and what it might feel like to have a backpack and a pair of flip-flops and appear obviously moving from one place to the other with their thumb in the air. It's like I'm immediately intrigued by what is that person's story? Or sorry, let me I think because empathy to me is something that you must have felt at some point to be able to feel for others. When you see the homeless guy hitchhiking that you want to pick up, mm-hmm. the empathy I believe that you feel for him is Chip. You know what it feels like to be in desperate situations where mm-hmm. you have lost it all. You know what it's like to sleep on the couch of your friends' houses in college. Post college, you know that feeling of desperation of maybe if I go to the boats, I can double my you know two hundred bucks, and you come back empty handed. You know that feeling. Asterisk the boats. The boats is referred is what we lovingly refer to (laughs) as a casino on the river in Louisiana. But you can empathize with that feeling of desperation or that feeling of I am at my wits' end because Mm -hmm. Chip, you felt that before, and we don't talk about that a lot. No, empathetic. Even as a kid, I remembered kind of being because you were a good-hearted kid that sympathized with people so you may not get what it feels like to feel different you you talk about some of the friends that you tell me about like you don't know what it's like to live in their footsteps or in their shoes but you do sympathize and have a heart for them and that's to me equally as powerful. So I think empathy and sympathy kind of coincide. You can empathize on a lot of levels in different ways. Maybe with that identity piece though, it's you're you're so kind-hearted to sympathize. When I tell you the things, you don't know what it feels like to for be sure. made fun of for being a little Asian girl who's yeah. eating rice in the cafeteria, but you feel it mm-hmm. and you can sympathize. And so that is also I think a gift you bring to the table but maybe just a little different than what I carry because I felt it. So I'm like, oh, I remember the cold sweats and the turning Mm -hmm. purple and the, you know. For sure. All right. You can only pick one word. You are enough or you are incredible. Oh, that's interesting. Let me think through this. I just funk of that. I just funk of that off the top of my head. (laughs) Well, I want to ask you that question first. What are you? I'm, what were the two options? Oh my gosh. Are you enough or are you incredible? I'm incredible. And I don't mean that in, like you said, in this arrogant, gross, narcissistic way. But when I think about like, if I'm Mm. enough, which I think you use this phrase a lot, and I even think it's a healthy, interesting thought, but, and to be really frank at first glance, I'm like, wow, that's powerful. That's great. But then I'm like, no, it's not. You're not enough. Enough is like just basic. You know, it's just enough to get by. It's like a C minus. But I disagree with that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's why I was curious. Like when you hear those two things, when I think about are you enough or are you incredible, I immediately think, no, I'm incredible. But when I ask you it, I think you would naturally gravitate towards your enough. And I want to answer. Because I think for me, enough, when we always talk about glass half empty, half full, and I'm always the half empty, you're the half full kind of a guy. When I hear the word enough, it's not like you're just barely that, or I see it as a hundred percent. You are a hundred percent. I see. I think enough is I am whole, like W H O L L. I'm wholly showing up to the table. Well, H O L Y, holy, like holy. I'm saying, I'm. It it for sure doesn't have two L's on it. It does. W H O L L Y. Holy. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I am fully then. You didn't Let's say the Y it. earlier. So you stopped at two L's and I thought you meant whole. So I am stepping up in the fullness of who I am. And okay. call it incredible. Call it extraordinary. Call it all the things. But you're saying but, but that's your enough. glass is full. Okay. And it doesn't matter what is or isn't. 
it's full. And sometimes when I think of incredible, it's like it's maybe these additional things that come, yeah. which is great. And it's like full with the cherry on top yes. or something. And yeah. so I, I think it's just semantics. I think I would prefer the enough because in my opinion, that's the gift and writing this down this last several months is I landed in a very healthy place, which mm. is you can live like that, Joe. Mm, yeah. You can keep going. Sure. Or you what can pivot yes. and turn completely a, the other way and fight for that little girl who was six before the world told her who she was in the not in their written, opinion. Yeah, in their yeah, opinion. For sure. And if that's why I sure. am writing this, I'm writing her back at six years old and I'm saying, this wow. is who you are. That's and sweet. for me, yes. that was a really healing, cathartic thing for me. And yeah. if at the end that's of powerful. this, someone puts this book up and says, I can't relate to all the things, but there is something in here stirring in my heart to now go write my story so I can heal in the things that I've buried, that I can have new, fresh perspective on this next new phase of whatever season of life you're moving into, then all of that was worth it. And so I just can't wait to see how other people relate in, in all the many and different ways. Like yeah. I just, I feel grateful that I got to go through this journey and I, I, I'm very grateful for where I landed, which at the end of all this was in a place of gratitude and grace, which is something for my soul that I think was really important. Wow. At the very beginning, there was a book in your mind that then became named The Stories We Tell. Why? Why is it called The Stories We Tell as opposed to 100 other options? So there's stories that we tell ourselves in all seasons of life. And what I realized at 44 is some of those stories I told myself, I actually have the power to rewrite and say, that actually wasn't truth. This Let's is the go. truth. When you can think back to all those years where maybe you told yourself stories that weren't true, how yeah. can you go back and rewrite those stories? Because our stories have so much power. And sure. so- Hopefully people are inspired to then, you know, evaluate their own lives and and really understand the weight and the beauty and the power in their own story. Any advice you have for people in that journey that almost like can't imagine that their story has any value or any significance? Start writing. I think just like I did, you know, at first you just kind of so approach you think it. The process of it will surprise process. you in the sense yes. that it's amazing that I do in fact yeah. have a story because yeah. as I start to process it, it unfolds even if I'm not aware I of it. I think the process will unfold, but what I had to keep telling myself is land and gratitude and grace. So I can write a really sucky part of my life. Where's the grace in that sucky part and where's the gratitude? And wow. that's what brought healing for me. So I would think in that process, make sure you land with grace and gratitude. Boom. Thank you for joining me today, Mike Chip dropped. Gaines. Am I joining you? It feels like you're oh, joining me. Oh, is this me. your podcast? I don't know what's happening okay, here, but I'll, for me sure today, this is Chip not Gaines. a podcast. All I'm saying is you can forget it. I'm not coming back to this. Yeah, right. Will this you join so me? Fun. Will you join me for the next couple rounds? And, and that's, no. listen, this is- This was fun, this for is, sure. Let's just call it a recording. We're not going to call it a podcast. This it's recording, podcast. I need you to show up a couple more times. Podcasts are so trendy. That's not can true. Can you imagine the Marlboro Man ever doing a podcast? Well, you're sitting right here and you look really cute. All I'm saying is right? I would love for you to join me because you're really great at- I, I for real don't want to do this again. You're doing this again. What? I thought you said I only had to do this once and you were going to do it with other people the next I few I know, times. but you're a lot of fun. 
What? And we can hang out. But babe, what else are we going to talk about? We, I've oh, already really, talked about all the things. Really? You always say that. And then somehow miraculously See, that's the problem with podcasters. Hours. They talk about something once and you're like, dang, that was interesting. And then there's 13 more oh, of them and there's no more interesting things. We've got things. some stuff to talk about. Like so just, just trust me. Hey, thank you. You're welcome. This was so much fun. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. You look gorgeous. You were so powerful. I'm so proud of you. Thank I mean, whatever you. happens here in this recording thing, it's, I can't, this is, this I'm is sure fun. a lot of people are gagging themselves right now. Like, yeah. Ugh, it's like we're on a date with Me? you and Joe. They're so weird. Gross. 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 Mom, dad are awkward. Oh my God. Okay. Well, anyways, bye. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs>